Hello, podcasters, and welcome to the third episode on The Legends of Magic the Gathering. Okay, uh, so I'm sorry, yeah. Hobbs, I need to cut in right now and yeah. because it's it's our brand and we're only 20 seconds into this recording. You, you started <laughs> by saying podcast by podcasters, not oh. podwalkers. Wow, that's not good. And that's that's an yeah. important gonna... part, an institution in this show. It is an institution. I'm going to even just start over. Most okay. likely going to still lead in, leave in like all of this completely nonsensical yep. piece. But as is our brand, but we we've got to like you do. It is part of you know that is something that we cannot ignore. So, hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, Alex and I are coming back at you with the third part of our review of Jay and Ellie's epic book legends a visual history as told through a audio only format so i am hobbs q pronouns he him uh and i thought alex you know we you know we, we recorded earlier this week and you and i were just talking a little bit off air but i just always say like what did you do this past weekend you know like let's let's show that we do some self-care sure so i'm alex newman phoned on twitter at mel underscore chronicler Hobbs is at Hobbs Q and uh, <laughs> my pronouns are he, him. And, and one of the things I, I finished up this weekend, I was playing it last week cause it just came out. Um, but this, this indie game called unpacking that uh, just came out this week. It, it, it was one of my most anticipated titles of, of video game releases of this year. And I will let people know that before we had signed on and Alex and I were just kind of talking <laughs> offline, I thought he was like, cause he had moved at some point oh. and I know how that can be like yeah. where boxes just don't get unpacked. And he said he was playing the game unpacking. And I assumed that he had found a way to try to like gamify his brain into wanting to unpack. And then he was like, no, 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 it's a real game. And then you went into like, it's one of my most anticipated. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. No, it was, titles. Um, I really enjoyed it. I got to play a demo of it. I want to say, or last year, early this year, um, during a PAX or one of the, the one of, during one of those conventions and things, there there were some demos that were available for just people, anyone online, just because then that's the nature of online cons. That's one of the, the positives. There's a lot of things we lose by not uh, being able to have in person things with with the COVID, but that was a good positive. There, they anyway. That's that's a whole other thing. Um, but this game is is what it sounds like you you kind of follow the life of this person through the the moves and different moves in their life so so you start with the first one they're a kid getting their first room as a as a child and then the next one is like a dorm room and then it's you start to go through all these different moves in their life and there's years in between and they they tell you the years it's you know this year the 19 whatever and 2000 whatever so you you know how many years but that's all you get the only story you get of what happened in those intervening years is the new items that are coming out of these boxes or the old items that aren't coming out of the boxes anymore yeah this is awesome like when you started describing it i was like wow it's so cool and and i was telling like environmental storytelling is a thing that i i've i've come to really appreciate in particularly um visual media um you can do it in in other places too but like in movies and and shows and things and video games and finding ways to tell a story of the place by what's around um like a a quintessential place that they they tend to do this really well as you use typical zombie movie if you go through your characters are walking through a street you get to see the barracks
barricades and the signs and the actually one of my my favorite zombie movies Zombieland does this very well they they are very good at environmental storytelling in the different scenes and, and the different locations uh, but this game has also a lot of environmental character building because you never see the character you never see who, the person whose stuff you're moving um, there are some photographs and things but just the graphics of the game they're not super clear and also of course some of them are going to be family and friends and things and so you can kind of interpret you know the photos that you're sticking on the fridge which ones might be include the person whose stuff you're moving but it's it's really cool to kind of see the story of this person's life through the objects that are being moved the objects that aren't being moved the spaces that they're moving into and yeah yeah, yeah, what you just started describing, I was like, oh my gosh, so wow, cool. like, yeah, so like, cool. wow, I now want to go play a packing yeah. game, and packing is literally one yeah. of my least favorite things well, in the world. It, it's funny, because I don't really like packing, I've moved a bunch, I've moved a lot, but I actually really like unpacking, <laughs> personally, <laughs> because, see, packing, I have to put all my stuff in boxes, and it's a lot of work, and it's it's and then all my stuff is gone, but unpacking is when I get to go through all of my stuff again, well, and then I find... Kind of like what this the, game is doing. Exactly. I mean, that, you that's, know, yeah. I find the things that I may have forgotten about. I go through and go, I forgot I had this movie or this, these pictures from this trip or whatever. And so that was part of why I was like, well, this game is right up my alley. And it, yeah, it was, it was really good. It's a, it's a pretty quick play. Um, just a few hours, depending on how, how quick you want to push through it. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. So uh, I, I said, yes, I am Hobbs Q and Alex was nice enough to give my um, handle since I forgot it. Uh, this weekend, because as, as people know uh, or may know, if you're if you've heard listened to the show recently or listened to the show kind of at all, that um, uh, I am actually having a child in three weeks, child number three, number two, to join Gwen. So we will be finding out more about that, uh, given that we don't have a name or know anything about gender or sex of the baby or anything, and we didn't last time either. So. We, um, Jen and I went to downtown Minneapolis and went and just stayed at a hotel. Uh, we had Jen's parents come over and they stayed with Gwen, which Gwen was absolutely excited about. It's our second time doing like a sleepover with grandparents and we're trying to set up because we'll be going into the hospital for an induction and it may be a couple of days. So it's good practice. And we literally just went downtown we didn't even go out to eat because we're still very like cautious with COVID and everything. We literally ordered from a steakhouse downtown and had them like uh, just we did an order for pickup. And we were embarrassed when we saw the amount of food that apparently sides are because they're for the table. And we, that meant we ended up with like a four person uh, like thing of mashed potatoes. And yet we finished them pretty easily too, like pretty handily, I would say. Uh, so, yeah, we just went and did that, hung out, and had a view of downtown Minneapolis at night. Uh, we were overlooking the Target Field where the twins would normally play, which is still lit up, and we could see that from our room. And it was just kind of nice to just have a weekend kind of just – we don't do this a ton very often. I mean, Gwen's just now getting to the point where that's even a possibility, and then we're going to add in you know, another kid that makes it even less popular or possible <laughs> maybe less popular too but definitely less possible so yeah so alex we left off having made it through roughly half of the book a little over yeah. half a little over half so yeah going through um 
you know, previous episodes, if for some reason you're picking this one up, we've talked about Ravnica and Dominaria in our first one, and then New Phyrexia, Alara, and Zendikar in the last episode. Um, we're we're hoping to get through uh, this. I thought that we got through New Phyrexia in the first. Oh, you're right. New Phyrexia was in the first I we literally episode. only made oh it through God. Alara and Zendikar last time. And I wasn't actually playing the first time <laughs> we went to either of those sets, so I don't know how I had so much to say. I think... <laughs> Well, you know, I tend to talk, and that's something I, I'm good at. Well, we also had the tagline for last week's episode, which was brains that weren't braining. Oh, and I think we were both yeah. probably a little bit more relaxed. Uh, not at the end of a workday, both of us coming off of time off or just like weird work Mondays last week. So yeah, yeah. our hope is that... Hopefully we can get through and, and like <laughs> the rest is, I think, I think we'll do it, but the more we talk about it and not actually do it, the, the less likely we are to go. So let's start talking about Innistrad. Um, what do you want to talk about in Innistrad? Okay. So Innistrad, you, you don't really like Innistrad. If I remember correctly, this is God yeah. horror is not really your thing. It's not really my thing. And, and so that's, and I, I want to, I, I have no problem with it existing, and I know lots of people <laughs> love this, and I know lots of people love Innistrad, and that is great. I think that is a wonderful thing. It's not my thing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's hard for me. I literally, and this, this is one of the larger worlds, I think. It is. Um, outside of maybe Dominaria and Ravnica, like this is the one with the most, and I have literally one. I guess technically two people I want to talk about. I guess there's a third I can I can add in there. But like that's it. I don't. So I'm gonna start us off by saying because we're getting you know we're basically getting ready for a wedding on uh, on Innistrad. Crimson Vow is is set to come out very very shortly, and actually the first two characters listed here, interestingly, given that this book came out as we know over a year ago, are the betrothed of Edgar Markov, who is kind of the 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 leader of one of the families of vampires um, who, who like basically just goes to sleep for long periods of time. Uh, now he is kinsman to Sarkin um, or Soren. Sorry, Sor- not definitely not Sarkin. Yes, no, definitely Sorkin. not. No, I was trying Sorin. to work that one out in my head and then I'm like, okay, yep. Anyway. And then um, he is getting married to uh, Olivia Voldaren. Another, they're basically they're pulling together two bloodlines and it is interesting because they are the first two listed here. Um, yeah. So if people don't know, for some reason, uh, Innistrad is a world of werewolves, vampires, angels, humans, ghosts, ghosts, um, spirits. Yeah, let's, you know, if we want to go kind of broadly, um, well, there's this moon there that we should yeah. probably talk about at some point, but... You don't yeah. need to worry about the moon. No, the well, moon just and, affects the tides. What's it going to do? We'll say this again too. Like at some point, Jay Jay has written a second book um, that came out right as we started recording about this one, so we're kind of behind. Which was specifically about the planes, and that one we want to spend. We'll talk about the planes here too, but we but want to try talk not more to. About we're trying to leave room for the actual like stories exactly. of some of these big. And planes. so a lot of like, there's a whole conversation about how. Innistrad has vampires that are different because we we talked about that a little bit with Zendikar, where the yep. vampires oh, on Zendikar and zombies. and zombies. That's right, zombies. And is zombies. The other we also tribe. have zombies here. It's it's, it's um, our horror, is our gothic horror kind of tropes or yes. stories. I mean, yes, so, and like yeah. and these are more traditional gothic horror vampires, and that's the thing that we could get into more c- compare contrast. That's the thing 
that to to peek behind the curtain has actually been on our docket since we started this show three years ago as a as a potential show topic that I've never wow really we should go back to that docket had any idea. there might be ideas. There, there are ideas, and some of them are just like, <laughs> these are great and nebulous and cool, but I have no idea how to turn that into a conversation we can have. But that's that's one that we might figure out how to hammer out at some point, is talking about the par- well, it, parallel evolution, sort of, actually, that's an actual term for two species that like evolve together in the same environment. But, you know, for, for humans on two different worlds that evolved, you know, Tarkir and Alara, like they are very close, you know, compared to goblins who are different on lots of worlds. Vampires, who you have a couple different kinds of vampires, but they're, you know, different. You know, the Ixalan vampires are different from the Innistrad vampires, are different from the Zendikar vampires. So there's definitely something to talk about there. But, um, so the, the yeah. other main thing to kind of talk about this, the, there are these angels. I mean, the reason is that we want to mention um, Avicen. So there's these sisters of angels, one of whom basically we did not know anything about until recently, which is kind of a cool thing. It was like this lost sister of these angels. Um, Avison had basically kind of taken the place of this lost sister. Yes, because Avison, the, these angels existed before on, on Innistrad. Um, then Soren, who is a planeswalker and also a vampire, um, decided he needed to protect the human's enough that the vampires didn't you know kill themselves by extinguishing their food supply and not having any humans to, to predate upon so he creates avison to protect the humans and to, to to be a balancing force right to be a balancing force and there was like a church that basically kind of arose um as avison being kind of the protector of hope yes and and these angels well three of them at least ended up sort of folding in with and working with her because she was very powerful, built by uh, pre-mending Walker. I think he was pre-mending at the time. I believe so, yep. So that was kind of their, like, well, this is probably our best way to to do the thing we want to do, which is protect people. We'll work with this this new angel, this powerful being. So, But uh, one of them did not fit. No, yep. The, the black and white aligned sister did not fit in well. Um, so that, that's what we're kind of seeing. These The sisters, the angels, are all kind of aligned with different color Yeah, they're all white plus one other color. White X, yeah. So basically, we had had kind of the 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 white red in Gisela, the white blue in Bruna, uh, and white green in Sigarda. And we did not have the white black up until very recently did we actually get to learn more. Mm-hmm. Commander Legends that we actually got to learn about her. So the rest are kind of, they, you know, like they all have that white X piece and, and that the the color combinations where they kind of are taking on like how they're protecting or how they're kind of working as the angelic protectors. Where they become interesting, actually, is the one I want to talk about is Bracella. Because as we mentioned before, Emrakul um, finds her way to, uh, well, basically, yeah, Emrakul finds her way to Innistrad. Yes, that's that kind was, of through the pulling in through the um the well, who called her there, the previous time. Well, so that was the previous Innistrad set that you know we have two two sort of disconnected sort of together sets we're, we're going through right now at the time of recording. As as Hobbs mentioned, it was the the previous visit back to to Innistrad over uh, Shadows over Innistrad and Eldritch Moon was when Emrakul showed up because uh, Nahiri 
Nihiri was was being mad for lots of good reasons. Yeah, Nihiri wanted vengeance. A lot of vengeance. And so she decides that the best way to get vengeance is to call forth an Eldrazi. uh, Uh, Yeah. Yeah. There's... Yeah, there's conversations <laughs> that could be had around making that choice, but that was a choice that was made, and, and Nahiri being a planeswalker is not in this made. book. So, uh, no, at some point but, we may talk about that. Yeah, but this does let us because um, it does mean that because of this, um, the two angels of uh, Bruna and Gisela fuse together into a like eldritch horror of an archangel, and. I just think that's pretty awesome. Like the, the this was when they tried to do kind of like combining of cards. Like they basically became like a super card if you met certain conditions. Which is an interesting. We talk. Uh, we've talked a couple of times about the silver bordered sets. That um, when they are printed, the silver bordered cards, whatever they're doing with the cards, cannot be something that could exist in black border because otherwise they're they're eating up. Um, development space that could be used in Black Border, but Silver Border can be a good place to test out weird mechanics because they don't have to make them fit in the rules. They just have to explain it well enough that people can play it. And that was the very first unglued set uh, was Big Furry Monster. It was was a card so big, it was a 99.99 for 15 black mana. It was so big, it actually was two cards. So you couldn't you play it unless you had both halves. Both halves in your hand. And yeah, and so and they so did some cool stuff with um, this set where, with double face cards where they actually combined, not only double face, but they combined to make a yes. giant card. Well, and that's how they did it. That, that's how they sort of ported that into Black Border is these were individual, you know, double face cards, but they had a normal front face that could be played on their own. But if you had both in play and you hit certain conditions, you could then flip them, or I don't think you technically flip them, but then you merged them or whatever mechanic name was, and they become then the giant two-part card that's on the back. And actually, we have we have, we have two, two of those in the book. Two yeah. of those in this, and my other favorite is the fact that the, the other one is Hanware, which is a location, and it's yes, a garrison it's a, that basically gets corrupted by the Eldrazi, and it's an entire township. Yes, it that becomes yeah, that, like a murderous I was, village. I was going to mention that it was—it's our only location that shows up in our legends book, um, because it's—it's a—it was a creature, a non-legendary creature, and a legendary land, I believe. Mm-hmm. That again, if they're both in play and you meet certain criteria, they merge together and become Hanwar, the writhing township, which is just great wordplay to like. For naming that, the writhing township is the writhing township. Very, very eldritch horror, which is what we kind of get. You that was when there was a transition. You had the classic gothic horror world kind of became cosmic horror for a set. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of you know we. There's a lot of discussion, and this gets back into planes, and I think also story. Um, but that that happened. I think we're going to save that because I think there is something to be said just for Innistrad in general. So where I there's things that I love about Innistrad and, you know, part of it may just be, it's one of my favorite original draft sets. Like original Innistrad is one of my favorite draft sets. Um, this is, this is, gets us more into the planes though. So we'll just talk about there's uh giraffe and uh, is it, I literally don't know how to pronounce her name. I think it's Gisa, but I, had, I thought it was basing Gisa. that on. I don't know. I've no yeah. idea what I'm basing that on. No, so it might be Jif. I mean, Gisa. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Could be Gisa. No, it's, I think it is Gisa, but it's they are they are uh, they are twins. 
um, the twins of G- Gisa and Giralf. Um, they're basically mad scientists. Mm-hmm. And like well, they're and they're pretty awesome. Giralf is is more the mad scientist. Gisa that's true. Is, is more yeah. the traditional necromancer, and that's where. And, and and but that's an interesting thing, and maybe we'll talk. Here it's characters, so we can talk about it a little bit with these two, but it's also a lens into an aspect of the world where you talk about different vampires, different goblins on different worlds. Well, this world being this classic horror, there's two different kinds of zombies. Yes, there are. In this same world. So you have black, which the black zombies tend to be the more classic necromancy, magic, reanimating corpses, as opposed to the blue is sort of the, the Frankensteinian you know, about, you know, stitched together. Yeah, so a lot of those black cards with, with stitching in them. Um, they are like these prized amalgams. I mean, I think it's a cool card name. One of the like the yes, lore, or it's that's an so, actual card name. Yeah, um, so like yeah. Giraffe, like it's basically been stitching these back using alchemy to make zombie. He he still is a necromancer, but he's like using yes, these he's, to he's more servants. He's, he's more sciency. Yeah. The the bluer sciency side of of it, as opposed to the black sort of dark magicy more side of it. And I love that, that for uh, Gisa that we're basically saying that she focuses on quantity of zombie servants over yes. quality. Well, <laughs> it's like yeah, <laughs> and, and that kind of fits. You know, you look at you you kind of go back into sort of the old fantasy and and old stories you go far enough like of, of how those two different types of zombies work that's kind of what you do the you know when you make frankenstein's monster that's a bigger it's an investment singular thing yeah. as opposed yeah, but, to right you wanting lots of of small hordes, hordes yeah there you, you oh. use the word horde that quantity uh over quality definitely fits and i think oh, it's kind of cool to have these be twins that are yeah, and, you know and there's and we even get them on a card together and it's interesting, they're two of, at least of the ones I've heard talked about the most, there's a lot of characters who were flavor text for a long time. And then like Future Sight and the Times Tower Block did a lot of this where they, they turned a lot of flavor text only characters into actual card characters. But these were two big ones, uh, Jeralf and Gisa. They were flavor text characters through the original Innistrad block didn't have their own cards until a commander set. That was the, I want to say 2015, where they did monocolor decks. And then now we've, like you said, we've seen a card with both of them in one of yep. the more it recent was in, actual Innistrad sets. Yeah, it was, I'm trying, yeah, I can't, this is where those set symbols, so uh, Eldritch Moon. Yeah, um, so it's... It's it, interesting to see like how they combine their abilities kind of together. Uh, because cause, like there's a lot to do with the, the style that is to do with the alchemy and the, the Giraffe side is like filling your graveyard. It's a lot more, there's like mill for advantages. Um, and you know, th- th- what's interesting is they kind of come up as almost the, that I guess this, we had a previous like big zombie warrior. That was the big blue black um, that, w- I'm that, that was grim grin. And uh, Grim Grin was actually killed. And there's been, I know that just because we're coming back to it, there's a lot of jokes about that because people want more Grim Grin. I mean, can't you have a zombified zombie? Like, do zombies really ever fully die? I don't know. Um, But we do get the two sisters, we get the brother and sister basically together. And to combine their two abilities is kind of a cool, to me, is a cool thing with looking at, like you said, the two different styles of zombies here. Yeah, and it's it's cool to see that and actually we're seeing that in 
I can't remember which of these Innistrads. One of the more recent Innistrads, we get to see that with... Um, uh, if I was going to talk about this, I should have prepared their names. The the green and red, they were partners from Commander Legends. The, they, they are partners in, in, in business and life. Yeah, and, and life. But they, they have a card. Halana uh, and Elena are getting a card Thank you for now. rescuing me there. Yeah, no problem. Yes, so they, they have a combined card as well. So that's... Man, I hadn't thought about that. They're not in the book. We're not supposed to be talking about well, no, them, Alex. But it's it's that's an interesting <laughs> thing that looking How do you at find the ability. Me well, and I'm just always fascinated by different ways that Wizards decides to sort of do story informing mechanics and informing story, informing cards back and forth, and like doing the Gisa and Jerulf card is to the best of my knowledge one of the first times where they took it might be the first time, but I may be wrong here, where they took two individual characters who had their own cards and then put them together into on a, a single card, card which is an and, interesting thing to see like two characters represented on a single card yeah and right now they're doing it again yes. on the same world so it's back at innistrad again is where this is happening for the second time it is and that i think is more coincidental but it's 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 an interesting well, thing to know it works i mean that's kind of yeah. a cool thing to be thinking about like how do you represent more than one character on mm-hmm. a single card well, like, and it's a way to, it, from a from a purely mechanical sort of metatextual level too. It's it's a way to build more design space as well. Now, it's a thing that I, I would guess they want to be a little more limited in because having that individual character is sort of iconic for what a legend is. That's the whole point of sort of how the commander format works. You have this singular legend who is the leader of these ninety nine other cards. But it is cool to have to pull that out of their back pocket on occasion when they decide it's appropriate to say, well, let's combine. What would happen if these two work together and then create a single card for two characters like that? So the last one that we have here is Ulrich. Uh, Ulrich is a werewolf. Um, and this, like I said, this was the set that we really got to get werewolves with this idea of a mechanic between day and night and they've kind of done it a couple of different ways um the most recent set is even changing it a bit so that we have werewolves that are day bound versus night bound and it's all mechanically kind of works similarly it's based on spells being cast basically transform except now with day and night it kind of stays day and night um but it is this way that we get like human werewolves. So they're still werewolves, but human on one side and then a werewolf only on the other side. And Ulrich is kind of the, the one of the main. He's Ulrich of the Kralin Horde. Um, and Ulrich is, it, there is kind of this interesting thing that people have been wanting a legendary werewolf to be able to play as kind of a commander, right? Because that is a tribe that did not really have this. No. Um, they didn't get and one so, on the original Innistrad. No, that was, yeah, the original Innistrad, we had a Planeswalker um, with Arlen, but we did not get a legendary creature, and Ulrich was that. Um, so Ulrich uh, does not return to civilization when he returns to human form. He stays in the woods or in the wild. So most of our werewolves, when they are in human form, actually are like part of civilization, kind of as we kind of think of, versus Ulrich who stays in out in the wilds. So, okay, Alex, we can leave Innistrad. Yeah, because you want to. And we're we're going to talk about a whole lot, but we've been there for a while. (laughs) So, and again, I apologize for anyone you know who loves the set and things. That's it. Just and I like the set. So Alex is just well. It's funny because I say there wasn't as much for me, but I talk. That's where you may 
I talked a lot about mechanics because there's a lot of mechanically, to me, mechanically interesting things going on there. But story-wise and character-wise, there's less for me to engage with. Yeah. So versus this hat. Yeah. So let's let's move to Theros because you have Theros. more to say on Theros. I definitely have more to say on Theros. Um, I where in hey, strong... gonna, I'm going to laugh because uh, Alex, we literally just talked about how we didn't know when they put multiple people on the same card. Well, yes, but you notice how they didn't have previous cards before. <laughs> so <they kind> of <laughs> nice specified that. Nice so save. well, rather than talking around this thing, Theros. Um, if if Innistrad was something that didn't appeal to me too much, like Greek mythology is the other side. That's something that I've I've been interested in since I was young. It's something that I really thought was cool. And I actually Theros came out shortly after I came back to Magic. I started playing in Return. To, I started playing in Gate Crash. So play a little bit with the Return to Ravnica in a Strahd block, and then Theros came out. I was, I was. That's the one standard rotation that I actually played a lot. Um, but then the the very first characters in this section are Kynos and Tiro, which honestly is possibly the only entry in this book that has two characters in a single entry. Um, but they were um, a commander when they when. They did the four color commander decks. Kynos and Tiro was were the not black, so it was blue, red, green, white commander. Uh, these two, they were in the story. There, there was a couple of cards that referenced them. You notice, like Guardians of Miletus is one of the cards they give the art in this section of of, of the book and their their section. Uh, but these two were. Well, the uh, original art, the Guardians art, is like them as like statues. If you think of kind of like yes, Lord of the Rings heading the uh like exactly. heading down the river because they were they were warriors um who led an uprising against a tyrant they you know well it says here you know spurred by their love for each other and for their people they led an uprising against a tyrant they say a goddess appeared before them and they built this city um and so that's why there were statues of them because they were the founders of Miletus, one of the the major cities um in theros and they, so a there's there's a few things like it's really cool to have them. They're characters that were referenced that got a card later. Um, they're two, you know, openly gay men in Magic, which is cool to see that being represented. The four color thing we talked about that in our last recording because we talked about like three of the three of the five I think were in in that section. Um, at least two of them. And so we we talk a lot about that there, so I don't know we need to rehash too much of that now, but that was a really cool thing that we now have four color commanders that can build, people can build those color combinations. Um, and honestly, I really like the card too, because there's land-centric mechanics, and that's one of my go-tos when I build commander decks. I love things that sort of build around lands. I mean, they're like become like the preeminent in some ways group hug commanders. So like, yes. that's kind of a cool piece about their mechanics. And yep, and there, there's yeah. that too because it's not only like land stuff for yourself, but they also give you know cards or drop land drops to to the rest of the table. So they're they're big for that too. Yeah. So the next that we have is Daxos, and Daxos is an oracle of the god, um, which is kind of cool because he actually is somebody that finds a spirit, a kindred spirit in Elspeth. Um, which is kind of because she's so unsure of her place in this world. And like, it's kind of like they were actually in love because um, 
that Xenagos cast a spell on Elspeth, making her believe that she was lashing out at Phyrexian Monster, only to find she had slain her lover, basically, in Daxos. Uh, and she makes a pact to bring Daxos back, but when he comes back from the Underworld, he is devoid of his identity, which is just, like, really, really depressing and sad. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's, like, he is the tragic kind of... This is where we get the tragedy of... of, of this and and actually is is Daxos one that we now get we have three versions of we Daxos. Have three versions. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna note that too. We've only had two trips to Theros, but because um, Daxos returned was a commander um, product legend, um, he actually he has three representations and all different color combos because he was white blue in his original, white black um, as Daxos the returned, and then Daxos blessed by the sun, which is where Heliod restores him to life and and so he's no longer one of the returned which are different sort of zombies in and Theros he's not to care about the uh, enchantment theme which is a cool piece yeah. to um all of cause... yeah that's a big part of the sort of world building in Theros they used like enchantment creatures or just enchantments in general to sort of be part of the effect of the gods being yeah. part of the world like and that's a very greek mythology thing too where the gods were very present in the events of of the world well and this is where we first got gods right that's right actually a god creature type yes as opposed to you know we had creatures and 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 beings that were referenced as gods you had yagmoth being worshipped you you had we we talked last time about progenitus and you had progenitus as well as a, a being of myth but like the actual creature type so Mistform Ultimus became a god when Theros launched. That's right. That was that's an Post-talk. old school reference there. If you want, uh, Mistform Ultimus being a creature every creature from type legends, like the first creature ever printed, like way before. No, the no, 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 definitely not. It's not not legends. No, no, not legends. Legions. 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 Okay, I thought you said legends. I, I like, thought it was no. legions, but it was it was it that is legions. Block. It is legends. Um, yeah. yeah, and there were there were misformed creatures that could gain all creature types, but but misformed Ultimus was a legendary creature that straight up just had passive his own ability types. Yeah, and yeah. now we we have the changelings of of Lorwyn are, are like that as well. But so for a long time, um, wizards would maintain a misformed Ultimus watch on the website, and whenever new creature types, that was basically just their way of saying, hey, we have new creature types added to the comprehensive rules. But it was a fun, flavorful way of saying, well, misformed Ultimus is now you know a bully X, y, or Z. Or whatever yeah so so daxos kind of gets goes through these different um uh iterations and i, I laugh because there's a lot of people that like the to daxos then is given nicknames so you can remember uh which daxos it is you know like hot daxos versus cold <laughs> daxos uh and i said since okay. we're talking about he, the gods heliod is so in this set we we got white we got a god of each color um, so each basically it was to represent kind of those different domains of the Egyptian pantheon. The Greek. Uh, Greek. Yeah. Greek. We'll get to Egyptian when we get to Amonkhet. That is okay. true. Which is that even in here? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because they forget about Nicol Bolas again. That's right. Um, but Theros, <laughs> Theros has, uh, so Heliod is kind of the interesting in some ways of where. Yeah. Because they get to, through the story, not to go through too many details of his story, but he's mono-white and also a big jerk. So yeah, like, like he's, he's kind of, of 
that that like where white can go wrong yeah or they get to they get to make sort of a mono white villain though he wasn't really well he was the main villain i suppose of theros beyond death but of the th- of the original theros block he wasn't really the main antagonist that was xenagos but heliod was was kind of the big jerk even more so than i think xenagos <laughs> like even xenagos didn't quite do the same like dirty things where you're like really yeah no no well, Heliod's, Heliod's mad because he does, this isn't interesting because we had our first kind of gods versus planeswalkers scenario or situation. And and basically, you know, she shows up with his old his weapon, which had been lost Elspeth. to history kind of thing. Elspeth had. She showed up yes. with it. And he basically tried to send her on like an impossible task because he was jealous and pissed that she had his Reference weapon. Reference to her, please. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, so we got kind of the, yeah. the, the, the we got Erebos as the other god here. Yeah. And... yeah, there's and there's a number of others, but not not in the book. I do want to very quickly mention um, Hythonia because honestly, it's it's almost because I don't have anything to say about Hythonia. It, it <laughs> and Hythonia, but Hythonia in, in particular, maybe maybe seated for something. I this is. I, sort of this is like speculation about speculation but again one of the things about these books is a there's going to be some very major pivotal people in these represented they want to show us these different planes they want to show us all these people but there are so many characters in so many places and magic they can't put everything so you have to you have to pick and choose to some degree and so the fact that they decided to put hythonia in this book who is a gorgon um was a legendary creature in theros to the best of my knowledge, had like two or three cards associated with her, and that's it through four sets. So I'm I'm really curious why Theros, which was a set of legends, like there was a lot of legends in this set because that's that's there's a lot of heroes. That it ref, it goes back to Greek mythology. It fits sort of the flavor they were trying to capture. It's really curious to me that Hythonia was put in here. I, I don't know that we're gonna get anything. Nothing may happen to that. Maybe that's one that Jay just wanted to stick in. But Hythonia, <laughs> this queen of the Gorgons, is an interesting inclusion in this book. Is all I'm saying. Is what you're hypothesizing? Yeah, that's that's maybe in three years we get back to Theros and something's happened with Hythonia. Maybe we don't ever see her again. I so don't we know. talked about that. Some of these planes we can go through pretty quickly. The next one, uh, Fiora, is more interesting for us to come back to discussing as a plane. Uh, yeah the main and legend we've already talked about grenzo we talked about grenzo a lot yeah and we even brought in both king brago and queen marchesa so you can go back and listen to our episode on grenzo yep. uh, they're in here we and think that they're it. in here as main seating because yeah they're, Again, they're, this is the plane of conspiracy and yes there's and a those, lot of intrigue and this sets us up and those two sets are very popular for what they did they're a very weird thing i love those two sets, if you never got a chance to play Conspiracy or Conspiracy, um, whatever number two was called, you should check them out. Take back if you the have crown. A chance. Take, yeah, take the, th- take the throne or something like that. Take the throne, yeah. Um, because they're, they're group drafts. So you don't just draft like normal drafts. It can be fun. I love drafting. But you draft and then you play in three and four person games. And so what you're doing is very different. And they also put in some weird draft matters stuff, but that's a whole other thing yeah, you don't need to get into. Yeah. Given Alex, as we've managed to say every single time, this is, I think this speaks to the fact that why we chose to do this book, we literally thought that it would take us two episodes. Um, we literally, I, I was thinking one episode. I'll be oh, that's right. Us. Yeah, that's very fair. You thought one episode. And I think it speaks to kind of, you know, we, we joked at the end of last episode 
that we have to have Jay on. Like we just ended on a cliff about like needing to have Jay on. And part of this is Jay is somebody that whose work we've just respected for a very long time. I mean, he's like the gatekeeper of lore in some ways. I mean, keeping a lot of this stuff straight. And even then, you know, I think it shows that we're we've managed to get through three more planes. One of which was Fiora that we just kind of dismissed, and we're closing in on forty minutes. I mean, we're we're at some point like it's there's so much in this book. I mean, I think that this is what it shows is we we keep thinking we're well, going to get further along, and, and and part of it is, and I think it's I hard. Well, it's hard, but I mentioned this in one of our past recordings too, and I love when they when we get things like this to talk about because. There's lots, as hell I mentioned in this episode when I was talking about our, our document, there's lots of things that it's like, these are really cool 10-minute conversation. This would be a really cool 10-minute conversation. Well, that's not an episode for us. Right. You know, we, want, right. we want 40 to 60-ish minutes of an episode. But so this book is a whole book of those sort of small little pieces. And it, it gives us a framework to like string together 10 of these conversations that are you know like several minutes each yeah i mean that's 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 what it's turning into because each time we get going we start finding these these elements that are interesting and just yeah we, we talked about a little bit about this about the, the the actual book itself and you know what what wizards is trying to do with this and then when we get to the planes one and how we think that they could be well we know for a fact that there's stuff that has been in here that was like you maybe didn't know why, and then what we found is that within last year, it was actually something that was relevant to yep because new projects and this is something where if you, if you watch the sealed or not just the sealed product, if you watch the, the product releases, the sets that come out, that happens a lot, particularly in the commander sets, the modern masters, the modern horizons. Well, maybe not modern masters, but the modern horizons. Things where they're making new cards that aren't part of standard. Those sets, they are always pulling things from places all over the multiverse sometimes just because like oh this is just a good fit but sometimes it is seeding something new and or it's it's keeping it's it filling in, in gaps it's, it's keeping it in the memory you go you go back a number of of commander sets we've had legends from kamagawa kamagawa through yep. i don't know how many of them most of them i would say and now just in the last several months, we've learned that there's a new Kamigawa set coming out in 2022. Well, and wildly, it's like a, it's supposed to be a, like, uh, a futuristic Kamigawa too. It's supposed to be like a, you know, like um, cyberpunk uh, yeah, Kamigawa. Which is the versus, whole thing yeah. to talk about. But so yeah. it's, <laughs> Trust there's, me, there's a lot of whole things within that whole thing. But it, just that, that I mean, like there's, these things, or look, Tarkir happens a lot. You'll see in at least the last few commander-related sets, they will have people not only from Tarkir, but from both timelines in Tarkir, because that was a big feature of that set. And we've mentioned that in past episodes, um, that this like multiple timeline thing. And I mean, it's when we start with Tarkir, it flat out starts with the course of Tarkir's history begins on Dominaria with the Elder Dragons, <laughs> Ugin and Bolas, because they're yes. twins. Um and you know, like they like Bolas killed his brother in a rage. Ugin was reborn and restored as a spirit who found his ho home on the plane of Tarkir away from his brother. But like, there's this whole cool thing then where, like, when Nicol Bolas discovered where his brother was and was plotting, mm -hmm. he appeared on Tarkir to kill him again. And then when Ugin dies, basically, this whole civilization that had 
been planned around dragons falls. Yeah. And yeah, so the, dra- the dragons just all die out. Right. Over, so you, over time period, we, they're haunted out. So we have, the, like, this book goes through and gives us and talks about kind of these dragons. This is where we got more elder dragons again. So yep. I think that thing is a big thing to be thinking about. They, uh, I think only three of them are listed here, but it's the same sort of thing that we had color pairs of. There were actually two color pairs of dragons. There were five of them. Um, this is where we got clans. So this is where this we is started where getting some different names for two for color the, pairs. This Well, and this is the concept arc here is where we got the shard or the wedges were named for the first time. We talk about the shards in Alara. Um, and so, yeah, let's just get Tarkir on because there's a lot of world things to talk about in Tarkir. My God, there's yeah. a lot of world things, and we're I'm going to try not to get into that. Let's not because Tarkir is one that you and I could go forever. Yeah. But, but for character wise, Alesha, we, we got to talk about Alesha first. Yeah, first first character in the section, so that is helpful. It um, is helpful, and yes, and we for, for a reason. Yes, well, and and Alesha is the the first open trans character in Magic. Um, we, we did do an episode made, that is a big deal is made about her claiming her name. I mean, yes. it is this idea of taking the name when she became when she became Alesha. She yes. chose that name on the battlefield through yep. her skill as a warrior, and that was part of the the culture of the clan as well. But it, it it's also a very important moment yes. for you know this this trans character to come out and say claim this is who I am this is my name this is my identity and yep. she took her name from her grandmother her grandmother mm-hmm. so there's there's like actual like familial history to the name as well yeah, yeah uh we have zergo is real cool cuz it's orcs this yep. is the return of orcs to to and magic both orcs and goblins on target yes um really kind of sets- interesting thing Early sets had orcs, but a really weird thing. And this, I guess, is more world thing, but they were all really bad. And then they stopped making orcs. So it was really cool to see orcs back. We can talk about them more. Um, Zergo was also interesting to a, a case study of how he changed during the timeline. Because Zergo, the clan leader of the Mardu, was big and burly and, and powerful. And then Zergo, Bellstriker, the... He's a messenger. Bell, messenger. He's a bell striker, literally. Uh, That's what during, you know, yeah. of the... Uh, I can't think of the, the name. The Colagon. Colagon. So, the, 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 so basically when we moved from uh, kind of these clans to the... Well, we moved to these... Yeah, Headed sorry. by the dragons. They were, yeah, the, the ones that are headed by the dragons. There's a pivot set in the middle where, where Sark and Vol goes back in time and Marty McFly's the timeline and then comes back to the future and now the clans, rather than being three-color wedges... Are two. There are two color pairs following the dragons, as opposed to a world with no dragons, and and so then you get to see a number of characters. Tygam is another one. He was in the story. He's in the book here, but he was in the story only. Um, but then they actually created two Tygam cards: a white blue in the current timeline and a blue black in the past. You know, the, the rewritten timeline, who were in two different commander decks in the same year, if I remember correctly. So you you got to see them like compared to each other right there, right? Um, the other cool one, you know, uh, oh, she's not even mentioned here, so I guess we can't talk about her. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Like we're not going to talk about Narset. We're not going to talk about the fact us. that she went from a creature to a planeswalker. Which, yes, that was a very cool. Maybe we just we didn't out. say anything about it. We just Tarkir moved on to Kaladesh. Yeah, we just moved on to Kaladesh. Um, Kaladesh being the important, you know, we get Pia Nalar, um, which yes. is 
uh, this is Chandra's mom. Chandra's mom. <laughs> uh, yep. So this also, is Chandra's, this is Chandra's home world, basically. Pia and, is one of the few characters to get four pages. There's a couple in this book, but that is how significant she is in here. If you get the same two little paragraphs that most people, most of these characters get about two paragraphs, but then you get several pages of art with her and her husband, her and Chandra. It's it's very nice. It is really nice, and it, because she she is interesting in that she was like locked away after her daughter like basically her husband gets killed and then chandra sparks and disappears and basically she gets locked up and and basically where we come back into this is where she is you know uh she has been locked in a secret consulate prison and when she's released when she's released she kind of joins these renegades which is when chandra comes back Yep, and and then the the Gatewatch sort of get involved, and there's this there's the whole thing. That's the uh, Kaladesh Aether Revolt storyline, because um, they knew Tezzeret was there and Bolas was poking around, so they went to sort of investigate that. I think they also yeah, too much story there. Chandra just went. <laughs> Chandra yeah, just it, wanted to go home. They sort of, I think they sort of stumble <laughs> upon the whole Tezzeret thing. They do. Uh, so there, we do get to see the other ones in here. Padim, who's a Vidalcan. We have Vidalcans because they are the artificers. Um, and you know this is a plane that is really about like invention. There's actually a fair going on. Um, SRAM is here, so this is where we got vehicles. And SRAM is kind of a, an edificer. I like that it's an edificer, not an artificer, and that's basically because of he's working on like infrastructure and like yep. the, and all of the he built the Aether and hub. And, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then get, we get we get Gonti. Gonti we, we talked about yeah. We, we talked yeah. Yeah, we talked about the Aetherborn previously, and so it's cool to see an Aetherborn, you know, present here. Gonti in particular, sort of this under kingpin, underbelly, you know, criminal enterprise. It's kind of neat to see that. And if you um, haven't listened, I, I do highly recommend the, the two-parter we did on the Aetherborn uh, is another one to do with kind of um, with the gender identity. And yep. that's so that we was, talked a lot more about Gonti there, and I would highly recommend going back. Yep. Yeah, and, and the Aetherborn in general and their whole history. Like, I think the Aetherborn are really cool from a fantasy. I love that magic is is for, for multiple things. Like, A, it's really nice to see. The Aetherborn are, are generalists. We're, we're talking around it. We're not really talking around it. We're I think we're talking like everyone knows it. And not necessarily everybody does. The, the Aetherborn are generalists. There's some that choose a gender because everyone else on the plane, by and large, is gendered. So they, I think that's a thing that some of them, that fits for them. But by and large, the Aetherborn, are they them? They're genderless. Um, they're fantasy species. They, they live for like three to four years. It's... There's a whole thing. I I love them from a de- creating more fantastical things in the worlds, going beyond orcs and, well, and yeah. elves and humans, which is cool. I love dwarves. I love orcs and elves and humans, but I l- also really like to see magic branching out and creating very unique things that fit their worlds that are very different and kind of developing the fantasy story. And, and, and like world. as we're talking about this for this i think it's interesting to note that this what we talked about in our episode with um uh f Maitsta, um is that um that is about an aetherborn who is able to extend this life because they don't know how because they know exactly how long they have to live um gonti is somebody who specifically sought out ways to extend their life and so from this it's kind of this interesting thing of like a way to kind of like 
Gonti wants to expand their own life. So, okay. Yeah. Where, where are we at? What are we doing? We Home got cats. Oh, we got gosh. Just a few left. There's, there's a few left, but all these have just a couple. So let's just see if we can do it. Do this. So Amenhotep is Egypt. Is as Egypt. Our Egyptian plane. And we got Egypt gods as, again. As corrupted by uh, Bolas and twisted. I mean, is made better. Constructed, made better in his image. In his, um, in his, literally in his image is he literally is the bolus ever present are, are yeah. always present like in the the background it's all it's a whole thing yeah um, somehow nicol bolus didn't get a didn't get a page on this chapter i think somehow nicol bolus wasn't a creature when he was there and so maybe that's well, why he, yeah okay so hazaret who <laughs> i really want to talk about here is it's a cat god cat god she's not only a cat <laughs> god but hazaret is the mono red god on this plane and i want to talk about how cool it is because we mentioned and i can't what it was but i love how the the sort of color pie the color identities are starting to be stretched so we talk about um you know uh why am i blanking on the sun god from theros Heliod. Heliod being being a big old jerk and kind of the bad guy for a lot of the time he's on the screen as a mono white planeswalker. But then we get to the Egypt world with Hazaret, who is a red god. Red typically being the color of goblins and chaos and things, but also passion and you know protectiveness and so and, and creativity and all these other things. And so Hazaret is actually during this, during the events of this whole thing, Hazard is the last god that was the, the, the the benevolent god too. Yes, is is He's, a benevolent god to begin yeah. with, um, but also of of all of them is the last to survive. And we see Hazaret becoming the protector, the sole protector of the people of Amenket, and it's like. I Which think is weird because they didn't need yes. anything. They didn't need to be protected from anything. Well, but she wanted to be there in case. <laughs> yes, we might just say. in case. Bolus tears everything apart, and they need someone to protect them in the the Backup naked plan, desert. Never going to be used. Yeah, exactly. It's great that it's there. Yeah, it's, it sounds it's like a so cat. Great. It does sound like yeah. a cat. It sounds yeah. just like a cat. Uh, the, the the joke here <laughs> being that uh, Hobbes is a fan of Bolus, and Bolus is kind of a bad guy. But I'm just you know letting people know who who might not have a lot of background with our podcast because. <laughs> but so I I love that you have. Hazard in that position, and I and honestly, I really enjoyed Ahmed Cat. I have other worlds that are like probably my favorite to spend time in general, but this is one of my one I'm looking forward to most from the story standpoint because I really I want to see what happens to this society. I want to see how they develop and how they rebuild with like the influence of this mono red god trying to be their protector, which she is and is very good at that. But white is generally not a good color of is is in opposition of order. Red. And that, well, red. The, well, sorry, red is an opposition <laughs> of white. White being the color of order, usually the color of laws. That's where you get like Miletus was blue, white. They're you know structured and lawful, and this is their things. And it's not that red can't exist in a society. It's just that often red isn't as good at building those structures that some people need, <laughs> or that some things you you know your infrastructure. You got to have organization to make sure your aqueducts are getting things from a your water from point a to point b and that's something that white's very good at red isn't as good at that so i'm just really curious to see how this this group of survivors sort of rebuild and what happens with, with hazard as their i also think it's pretty awesome that the, the cat is red it just feels yes. very appropriate yeah that's that's fair so 
Um, so we have we have uh, Ixalan, the pirate world, um, kind of a, the pirate dinosaur world. Which pirate is, dinosaur, which kind of overshadows the vampires and the merfolk, but that's fair, right because we have them everywhere. It's but it's like it's a very interesting plane. It's a plane that yeah. planeswalkers through machinations of somebody. Once again, not important. <laughs> not important but, which bolus it was. I mean, but but basically, planeswalkers were getting like trapped here. So like once they yes. were here, they couldn't leave. Yeah, um, and in fairness, that ends up here with no memory. That wasn't kind that wasn't of Bolas's fault. No, that's a whole other thing. He might um, want that ability, but it's not say, his fault. One thing I think is interesting there, and again, this is maybe for the next episode, but Alenda is. A black white. She's the leader of the, these vampires on Ixalan. It's interesting to see vampires in white because that's not a place where they are very often. Um, doesn't make them good necessarily, but it is a different representation of, of how they can work. We also I guess. get um, Beckett Brass, Admiral Beckett Brass, who is a yes. female who, this is one that people talk about like the differences in art styles because um, she has been depicted in different ways, which is interesting because of her. She is not a like a typical magic body type. Yes, um, and and one thing I love about this, well, and and the artist said, oh, didn't he say it was Jason Rainbow? He said he could was, model it after his his mom. mom? I yeah. believe it was yeah, it and, is. which I a is just so cool and incredible. But it also reminded me of something, and I want to tangent just a second because I thought this was amazing there's an author um named uh, scott lynch whose books i really enjoy but he his second book has a a middle-aged woman pirate captain and so some some writer some reader you know typical typical but sort of internet person was talking about how you know this this is incorrect this is an unrealistic stereotype of political correctness real pirates can't be controlled by women there's this whole thing and so his response was just like uh you know what yeah this middle-aged mother of two is wish fulfillment fantasy and you know what so what why should middle-aged mothers get wish fulfillment characters yeah, everyone else does, and so he went on this whole thing, this whole reaction about that, and I love that. And this is a very similar thing. It's like, yep, so she's very, as you say, Hobbs, different body type, different part, you know, than we normally see represented, especially as like a pirate, as someone who's in the action and stuff. And it's like, cool. I think it's amazing. That's fantastic. And and Jason has a very awesome thread about her. Um, so he he had kind of sent said this back when he did uh, the original art. In 2017, he said that, you know, Admiral of the Pirate Fleet and my mom uh, finally got to put her in a painting. <laughs> um, and then she actually has since, I believe, um, passed away. And he has a very, very awesome thread. And I'm actually just going to link this thread because it is a very beautiful one um, when when he did lose his mom. Um, so it is just from that as a st- standpoint, like it was one of these, it was like, it actually is an amazing to see the art match up with kind of this character um, and, and what her role was as the pirate and why he chose his, his mom for that representation. Yeah, no, just fantastic. We got Eldraine. Um, Eldraine, the, the last two here, I think, were both like the most recent sets that came out. So it was kind of trying to give us a, yeah. I think they're just yep. trying to give us some recent things that people who are just buying booster packs would recognize. I do do want to mention um, 
King Elg, oh King Kenrith. <laughs> his first name I'm gonna stumble on. Um, Kenrith the Returned King is his his card. Um, a it was kind of a cool card. It was a weird thing because I, I think it was a bio box bonus, but uh, mono white card. But he has activations of all five colors, so it's this is I think Wizards. They did a little bit of it early on, but they've in the last two years like really kicked up playing around with color identity like that to to give commander more options without like while still using the color pie to sort of separate certain things. So it's like if you play you can play this in a two color standard deck, you don't get the other color activations unless you find ways to do it. But one of the the things, gosh, it feels weird that it's this late, but. I guess magic doesn't represent a lot of marriage <laughs> and couples. You tend to get like orphans and things. That's yeah, typical yeah. fantasy. Cause one of the things about the Kenrith family is it's a mixed race family. Yes. With, yep. with Kenrith and, and um, queen Linden on the next page. So that's cool to see that representation there. And um, she's also an amazing, and just she, like within her own right. Oh, right she character. is incredible. Her story, her card is really cool, and she has a lot of stuff to kind of do herself. I have not finished reading this book, but um, from what I understand, well, I mean, even the card Kenrith, the Returned King, suggests that he was missing for a while, and there's a lot of work that Queen Linden did to kind of hold this kingdom together. Yep. Um, so our last plane is Akoria, uh, which yes. is kind of our kaiju plane. And that is kind of what we have mainly represented here. We have the humans, yeah. and there's like these bonds between humans and... Like, yeah, there there was some story, like it, it represented, you kind of had the three factions. You had the, the major monsters, the kaiju. You had the humans, kind of led by General Kudro, who kind of wasn't a nice person, like, trying <laughs> to protect the human race in this... Let's, let's be it, it's an inhospitable world, but at the same time, he was kind of a jerk about what he was doing. And then, well, like and you say, all, I think we talked about this with Akoria before. That like he's not really heroes. No, let's be honest. Well, like, I mean, people, kind of, well, people think that Luca's a hero. Luca was a terrible person too. Right. There were some cool people on the plane, but yes. in the story, because this book I have read, there yeah. there were some some pretty good characters in in there. None of whom are in this book because I think this was this may have been before all that story was written. I may I think be it, wrong on that. I um, I don't know, but I do know that that is um, yes. It's it just a possibility. Yeah. Like I don't know the release dates of these things, or not not just the release dates, but keep in mind like all of this stuff has different run up times. So, like most sets take at least two years from from the very very earliest conceptions of them to when they actually release. So lots of things are being in development at the same time. Maybe we're wrong about the, the timing of that, but um, yeah. And like Vivian was in that story, Vivian Reed, who who's kind of our, got to be our, our mono green planeswalker while the other ones were all gone <laughs> doing, other, doing other things. <laughs> our like corset planeswalkers, we had Nissa for a while and then she's off doing Gatewatch stuff and then not doing yeah. Gatewatch stuff. You had Garrick for a while, then he's off being corrupted and doing that stomping around being angry stuff so then you get vivian reed for a while and i really really enjoyed getting to see vivian reed's kind of b character you know from yeah there were yeah. some short stories before that i i hadn't read like from ixalan and stuff that i know she was and honestly i gotta get back to those because i really enjoyed her character in the uh she's not in this book alex she's a planeswalker you should be bringing her up this hey, would be like somebody bringing up bolus over and over right. again you're right it would be it would be exactly like just mentioning bolus and then ending the show and that's our show for today. You can find the hosts on Twitter. Hotsku can be found at Hotsku. 
and Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Comicler. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmokes, the cast can be found at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vinderdotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vinderdotten or online at vinderdotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at hipstersofthecoast.com. Thank you all for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>